Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Multifamily by the Slice. Today, we had Miguel and Antonio on the show. And, um, you know, usually when we have the younger guys on, it's a high energy show because they are just ready to, to rock and roll. And this is no exception. This is a fun show. We talked a lot about uh, local real estate here in San Diego, about additional dwelling units, ADUs with them because their company specializes in it. And, you know, a lot of other stuff in the real estate space that I think our audience will definitely benefit from. Chi, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I honestly loved this episode. I mean, I love every episode that we do, but this one really kind of touched my heart because they came from most, it was a story of humble beginnings, you know, and, and a story of perseverance. And he talked about his struggle with ESL and, and how he changed that into writing, becoming a writer in his second language. And I, I just thought it was such a great show because um, they're so wise. For their age too, you know, and super inspiring. I, I think it would be hard not to be inspired by this show. So I'm excited for our listeners to to get the the full full go at it. What do you think, Dre? Yeah, it was just hustlers at a young age. That's what I loved about it. Their story, both different, both unique, but their ability to add value even when they were the youngest in the room and people were judging them and stereotyping them. I liked how they were able to niche out and even just the unique concept. And as your listeners, you'll hear it as we discuss their way, the way they're doing ADUs in San Diego, they're changing the game. They also have an office in Texas as well. And we do briefly discuss that, but you'll hear from it. It's it's not like some of the other ADU companies that I've even known around the city of San Diego, just the ability to have it all in-house in, in and, and even to take things virtually is, is very, very impressive. So uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the Multi-Family by the Slice podcast. I'm your host, Dre Evans. I got my great co-host here, Ike Eke and Chi Nguyen. I want to thank everyone for tuning in for another fantastic episode. If you're a first-time listener, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you're a returning listener, please leave us a five-star review. Your feedback, your reviews, they help us get the show into the ears, into the hands of many more people to help them grow and learn more about investing in real estate. But before we introduce to today's two special guests, got to check in with Ike, got to check in with Chi. What's happening? I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm very excited for this episode. Um, we're going to be talking about a topic that is really, really hot locally here in Southern California due to the lack of housing um and due to the inability of investors to cash flow because of pricing and whatnot so i think our local audience is going to get a lot of value out of this one and quite frankly selfishly i'm going to get a lot of value out of this one so i'm excited for it how you doing chi i'm doing good besides this being the month of repairs for me um <laughs> i had to, had to completely replace an hvac on one of my properties and then do complete new landscaping and a bathroom exhaust fan at another property and then a fried outlet at my ADU. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's, it's been, it's been a, it's been a little bit of a month, but um, yeah, I'm stoked for this episode too. I really love ADUs. Um, I built my first one in Los Angeles, which is uh, not, not a great fun city to, to deal with the, <laughs> the building department, but I actually ended up loving it because everybody there is like really cool if you get to know them, but I love this concept of the today's guest that they came up with. So I, so without further ado, let's get into it. 
Well, like she said, without further ado, let's introduce our guests, Miguel and Antonio. They are the founders of Multitasker, and that is a company that helps its clients build ADUs from A to Z. And, and I won't charge you for that little tagline there, but with, <laughs> please uh, welcome to the show. Uh, introduce yourselves to our audience. Tell them about yourselves, your business, and uh, what you do in the real estate space. Awesome. Awesome. First of all, thank you guys so much for having us. Uh, my name is Miguel Aldrete. I'm the real estate broker uh, here at Multitasker and Antonio runs uh, part of our operations here at Multitasker. And here what we do is um, we pretty much wanted to bring uh, the, the overall stress of being a homeowner all under one roof and really democratize wealth and, and make it accessible for a lot of people that may not have the background, the experience, or the time to be able to, you know, increase uh, their portfolios to be able to develop on their properties. So yeah, overall, what we aim to do five years ago when we got founded is bring all services within real estate under one roof. Normally, you know, if you go and you buy a house from a realtor, um, if you want to remodel, if you want to develop, if you want to Add solar, if you want to get loans, you have to go to several different people who all have a different idea of what your goals are. Here for our clients, once they express one goal, they have five or six or seven different services that all play in to make sure we're all on the same page uh, to overall be able to, to help clients access what they want. And mainly, we're using technology to really simplify the process of ADUs, as some of you that have ADUs are starting the journey uh, coming soon, you may already know. Uh, it's it's a big headache and a big learning curve for homeowners themselves. Um, but if we can simplify it and just have one point of contact that can kind of handle everything from A to Z, like you said, I, I think it uh, will definitely be able to increase housing, um, help the housing shortage here in California, and and hopefully you know make a bigger impact uh, both in California and across the nation uh, coming soon. Love it, love it. I mean, and you mentioned a lot of for lack of better words, pain points in investing in real estate, you know, whether it be finding the right property, finding ways to cut costs via so solar. Um, I mean, you name it, there are a lot of things that can be upgraded and, and brought into the 21st century in this industry. Um, and one of them is the lack of housing itself. And through ADUs, I'm, I'm sure all of us on this call know that especially here in Southern California, one of the biggest problems is, is lack of housing and ADUs is, is a way to solve that problem. So can you give the audience sort of the nuts and bolts in how exactly you help your clients build an ADU on their property? Absolutely, absolutely. So we usually break it down into three main phases. And Tony, if you want to talk about those three main phases yeah, of course. and how that goes. Yeah, so ultimately our three main phases consist of the first phase, which being design and feasibility. So practically, to put it in simplest terms, is can we build it on your property? And then from there, is, is there any sort of financing options that you could take? And can you afford this project? From there, once we see the green lights on that, we go ahead and take on what is called architecture permitting. So we have a team developed just for permitting and we go back and forth with the city to go ahead and promote those and move those permits forward. Once we get that all done, we go ahead and move into the construction phase where we go ahead and build that ATU. Absolutely. And two of the main kind of pain points that you mentioned that we found when uh, dealing with development were one, it always costs more than expected. And two, 
it always takes longer than expected, right? There's several different things. We kind of jumped into it. And uh, really, the, the way we got into ADUs was because we were offering this one-stop shop for real estate, we started running ads. Uh, at the very beginning, we door knocked 20,000 homes and started asking people just a quick survey. Hey, if you had one consultant that would help you in the real estate field, what would you want them to help you with? And the main two answers we got was development and um, energy efficiency. So the solar and everything else, right? Those are the main two answers. And then on top of that, once we started running ads for every individual service, uh, you know, we weren't getting too many clicks or anything else. And one day we ran an ad for ADUs because we just found out about ADU laws and we got over 150 you know, leads in one day. And for us, we were like, oh, snap. And our CEO came to us, the, the sales team that we had back then. Back when I joined, there were 15 of us. Now there's over 180 employees. Um, and back when there were 15 of us, he got us all in a room. He's like, hey, I don't know if these are real. I don't know if the ad's broken. I don't know if Facebook is lying to us. Let's mm -hmm. go make some calls. And there was a huge interest and people had so many questions about what are the laws? What can I build on my property? How am I going to finance this? You know, what if I currently don't own a property or I'm working with a realtor, but he said I could build something. I don't really know if I can. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much where we said, you know what, there's a huge need for this. People want it. There's no real kind of one place that they can come to. Um, and that's, that's where we grew. I mean, our name even changed when we started, our name was Cinchbid. Uh, now we're called multitaskers. So um, <laughs> big, lots of development in the company and uh, lots of progress and growth over the past four to five years. That's fun. I love that. Lots of growth is always a great way to keep you on your toes. Mm -hmm. I did catch that you said across the nation. So does this mean you're going to hop to different markets to set up offices in ADU friendly areas and take over the world slowly? Absolutely. Right now we have uh, currently six offices, um, three here in San Diego. We have one kind of satellite office in uh, Texas, in Austin, um, which is a very hot market as well. And then we also have two offices in Mexico. Our CEO was actually born and raised in Mexico. Part of the reason why our offices are literally 10 minutes driving to the border is we see that there's a lot of talent in Mexico. Um, as far as architects, engineers, designers, a lot of the VR actually came from our Mexico uh, team, um, where one, they want to uh, work and they're hardworking and they want to use their skills and work for a US-based company. This helps them also get work visas in the future uh, to be able to say they worked for a US company. And then number two is obviously for us, it cuts down cost um, with a lot of the services that we then pass along to our clients. Um, so they don't have to pay premium for all the services. Rather, they get a discount on every single service that they're doing, um, which in the total kind of outlook of things ends up you know, being beneficial to our clients in the long run. Shame on both of you. <laughs> Shame on both of you. And here's why. They're being modest, guys. I've talked to them both quite a bit and they haven't really shared their story and how they got started in real estate. So let's go back. How about both of you share your stories and tell us your ages, by the way, because I think that's important for our listeners to hear. Listen, y'all, their hustle, I respect. I respect that shit. Like, I really do. And that's why I really wanted you, you both to be on the show together because Speaking to the two of you and you were telling me your stories and where you're from and how old you are and how you 
climbed up. I mean, you, Miguel, even too, like we've had more discussions, but tell them about the book. Tell them about the hours you've done with kids. Tell them about even what your boss said when you walked in the room and everyone doubted you. Yeah. Now you proved them all wrong. So yeah. let's talk about it. Both of you. Go. Yeah, I'll let I'll let Antonio start. He actually started at the company just a few months ago. Um, and I'm I'm super impressed with the development. He was an old friend from high school and we ran into each other and he was telling me what what his vision was. So I brought him on board more as a favor at the beginning, but he's impressed the heck out of me. So uh, I'll let him go ahead and start and then I'll jump into my story. Yeah. So mm-hmm. hi guys, my name's Antonio. I'm currently twenty-two years old and I have Three to four months starting so yeah it gives you like obviously my story i would say is a perfect story for you guys who just want to get started in the industry this gives you like a great insight on just starting obviously i started three to four months ago when i just started i didn't know what dti was ltv all these terms but it's something that i was really passionate about and i was able to grasp so the for me the drive and what got my attention in real estate was when i was 18 I just saw that, I don't know, it seemed fun going to houses, showing them all this development and there's huge potential in it. And it just stuck with me. I just, at the time I was in school and stuff, I couldn't really pursue it, but it always stuck with me. I always wanted to do real estate for some reason, but I don't know. I was just held back for some reason. And in 2019, the next year, certain circumstances happened and my dad actually ended up getting incarcerated um, unjustly. And so it was a lot of Saturdays that I would have to go visit and I would see a lot of guys my age there and they're just there for the wrong reasons. So it really put a lot of perspective into my decisions and like showing us that, hey, time is valuable. You got to jump on it and you got to go. So it was like, all right, if there's something I want to do and real estate is where I want to be, let's take those actions. Let's do what we got to do. And I am meeting Miguel. Well, I obviously knew him in middle school, but we ended up touching up again in, in San Diego State, which is our university. And he provided me this opportunity within real estate. And it was not just real estate, but it was real estate and real estate development. And it was the perfect opportunity. I immediately jumped on it. From there, I went to reading books, to going on YouTube videos whenever I didn't have them around, whenever I needed something that I needed to know or any sort of term, something amongst the law lines of mortgages, loans. DTI stuff like that. I I would I was fascinated by this whole concept of real estate. So yeah, it's been great progress and it's been super fun. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that impressed me about Antonio at the very beginning, he was like, I I don't want to get paid. I just want to learn. And eventually, like I would come into the office. He was already here. I would you know leave and he was gonna stay. And everything like every morning, he'd be like, Hey, these are all the appointments you have today. I talked to this client. I already scheduled this. I already scheduled that. So super impressed by the kind of drive. And I told him after I was like, yeah, you know, at the beginning, I kind of did it as a favor, but, but uh, now I, I've seen like a lot of, uh, you know, drive on that side for me, my story um, really starts. I mean, if we go way back, my parents are immigrants, right? Um, For me, they, they wanted me to speak Spanish uh, growing up. So they never taught me any English. And in school, I started off like, kind of falling behind in those English language learner programs. Um, and eventually there was one teacher that saw me, especially in, in math, it was fine. Math, I was good because numbers are the same in English and in Spanish, right? So uh, that part was good. But the the writing side was very difficult. So there was one teacher that told me, hey, just write for fun, right? 
don't do the homework assignments that everybody else is doing. Just go ahead and, and write, you know, a story. And I started doing that. And eventually she took this big page of stories that I had written throughout the year, talked to my parents, and they ended up sending it to a publisher. And they, when I was 10 years old, um, they published my first book without me knowing. So I come home and, you know, they had like a surprise party for me. And I, you know, had no idea. I was like, this is months away from my birthday. I don't know what's going on. Um, and they opened up a box and it was all my stories that I had written about this character I created all written into one book, right? Uh, very similar to Andre, you know, making sure that, you know, they make it fun and exciting on on writing these stories. So that was a huge boost of confidence where my entire educational career for the previous years was, you know, the confidence was kind of dwindled seeing that I was behind. So then that motivated me at the age of 12, I wrote my second book. And right after that, it kind of took off. I was traveling across the country. I was traveling to Latin America, Costa Rica, Colombia, Mexico City. I remember the day I graduated high school, I literally went from my cap and gown, got home, changed and went to Mexico City to go give a speech out there. Um, so I started speaking and telling kids like, hey, you don't have to wait. My phrase was, you don't have to wait till you're an adult or famous to make a difference, right? Um, you don't have to wait till you're an adult or famous to actually go out and do something. Like a lot of people would say, oh, you want to write a book? Just wait till you're older. You can do that when you're older. Oh, you want to get into real estate? Just wait till you're older, right? So those little like milestones definitely subconsciously have helped me never think I'm too young to do something. One of the speeches I was giving though, one of the principals came up to me after and they were like, hey, great speech. Like the kids loved it. However, they have no action steps to take. So when I was 19, I wrote my third book titled uh, Change the World, which pretty much outlines a five-step process on how students can get into the career that they want, find internships, find mentors, um, all while they're in high school, uh, so they can start getting an idea of what they want, because the last thing they'd want to do is go and pay for a degree for four years, come out and find out, yeah, it's not actually what I wanted to do, right? On that side, how does that relate to real estate? Well, through high school, I did a bunch of internships. Um, whether it was politics, marketing, I all unpaid internships, one of which was with a real estate broker. And the first day I came in and he said, Hey, um, pretty much this is how I want you to make my coffee. I want it done. You know, I want my coffee on my desk at 9 a.m., your typical intern, right? And then they came uh, later that day and he put a stack of checks on my desk and he was like, I want you to log these and distribute them to the agents. So I started taking commission checks to agents that were, you know, $20,000, $30,000, dollars and taking them to their desk. And in my mind, I was like, how are people, you know, making this much in one day? Like, this seems absolutely insane. So I started looking into it more. So from the age of 16 to 18, I worked as an intern. At 18, I got my real estate license. At 21, I became the youngest real estate broker at the time in the state of California. Um, and then pretty much from 20 to now. So for the past uh, three to four years, I've been with Multitasker because they offered me the opportunity to open up that department within the company. I love that. I love that story of perseverance. I, you know, the thing that you mentioned that really touched my heart was um, my first language was Vietnamese too. I didn't speak English until I went to school and I'm the second child, family of three. And my sister, she had to take ESL. She was the oldest. She got there and and she still tells me to this day that it was honestly one of the hardest things in her life. So I can I can a little bit relate to you because back then ESL, English as a second language, kids treated 
ESL kids like they were special ed kids, you know, and I know that must have been such a struggle for you. And I think it's so admirable that you were able to take that as as inspiration to to show that you could do anything with that. And I I love that you had a teacher, too, that who made such a big difference in your life just by telling you to do one thing differently. And I think, have you ever gone back to that person and, and thank them? Because that's a big influence. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she, I actually had her edit my third book before I published it. I had several people that have been heavily involved uh, in my journey, um, take a look at it, and make adjustments and revisions. And realistically, I, I still don't like to read, right? I tell people it's written through, but pretty much I wrote it in a way where high school students, it's, it's almost like a workbook. So people can fill out their goals and fill out and like there's prompts, there's scripts on, Hey, if you're going to email a potential mentor, I went back to all the emails that I sent that actually got me internships and, um, put all those scripts in there, you know, with blanks, like, hi, Mr. Or Mrs. Blank, you know, I'm looking to do this and this and that. So yeah, it's super interactive. I, you could probably get through the whole book in two to three hours, but I've had a lot of students reach out after that, that book was written. Of course, you know, right after 2019, we know what happened, you know, COVID hit and all those presentations kind of stopped, which is why I had a lot more time when I was offered this position uh, at Multitasker to say, all right, I'm all in. Um, And and really, originally, I I wasn't planning to go all in. It was a cool idea. And now I'm (laughs) I'm literally all in here. So, um, so, yeah. I don't think I can really add to anything that you know what i mean just again you guys your story is powerful and it was it was great you know what i mean like the knowledge that you all shared so you know typically we shift to the legacy round for the second part of the show and, and she i'm just i'm just gonna give it to you and let you whatever you want to do whatever <laughs> i want to do whatever you want to run with it like because no okay. one can talk about a deal but you know you you have the most experience with adus yeah. Uh, you have, you've had pain points. So yeah, listeners, okay, cool. she's going to take it. Like. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> I really, actually, I would love to hear more about how you are integrating a lot of technology. Cause I know you touched on it a little bit. Uh, you mentioned the Oculus. All I know about Oculus is that I can play lightsaber on it. And I love that game, <laughs> but I want to know, you know, tell me, tell me everything. Cause when I built my ADU, I did it by myself uh, and I didn't build it by my hands, but I got like a contractor. I did all my permitting by myself. I ran all the plans back and forth. I became friends with all the plan checkers. They literally, that's why I'm saying like people have this like idea of like um, of the LA department of building and safety as, you know, a tough place to work. But those people are all people too. And that, that was a big learning lesson for me and building those relationships. I literally had my plan checker. She was like, don't tell anybody, I'm co- but I'm coming down and I'm going to stamp your stamp things and then you can go. And I was like, oh, perfect. Thank you. Because I don't want to come back here. You know, I don't want to <laughs> drop off my plans and wait 14 days for you to stamp it. You know, like, so just stamp it right now. You already know what the revisions are. Um, so I would love to hear a little bit more of like the nitty gritty and how how you guys plan to um, uh, add value to to the clients who want to build ADUs. And then also how many projects have you completed? Absolutely. Perfect. So on the technology side, and, and like I said, the, the CEO is the, the main visionary. His name is Joe Frasto. If you guys want to look him up, he's, he has been kind of off of socials for a long time until someone recently told him he has to. 
<laughs> I've been kind of the the face on the podcast and everything recently. But um, yeah, so pretty much his his idea. The first the first thing we wanted to do was integrate, like I mentioned, everybody in house. Right now, when you're coordinating between the architect and you're coordinating between the contractor, and you're the middle person, there's a lot of kind of information that's lost in between, especially if this is the first development project that you have. Um, you know, the architect is trying to design the most beautiful and comfortable thing. The contractor is pricing based on that, but that would not, might not be the pricing that you're looking for. And then how do you tie financing into all of that? Now you're going to a lender who has no idea what an ADU is and trying to get you the max amount to either cash out, refi, or whatever. Um, monthly, when do the monthly payments start? How is it amortized? How much interest rates are you guys getting? No one's on the same page with all of these things, right? Um, the realtor that's selling you the house has no idea if you can even build there or not, right? Um, so at the end of the day, that's where all of us kind of come together. That was the first thing that we did. And the second thing we did during COVID was clients wouldn't want to come into our office. They wouldn't want us in their house either. So we, one of our, you know, software engineers said, Hey, let's start implementing virtual reality. They can see their homes from their house. We'll ship them the Oculus goggles. We can meet in avatars, you know, and walk through the unit. And if they want to change things and say, Hey, can you change that cabinet to a different change it from quartz to marble countertops, right? Let's change the cabinet color. Let's move this wall around, right? How does that all affect you? We basically tied in technology in the virtual reality to uh, material indexes in real time. So at the end of the day, you automatically see how that price kind of changed, right? If you move this wall, oh snap, that's gonna cost me $10,000 more. Let me, let me change it back, right? And in real time, you can get all of that information, right? Same thing with the, cabinets, same thing with the countertops. Do you want to add square footage, drop square footage? Uh, you can see one, how does that affect the space? Uh, you can put the goggles on and feel the space. Hey, does it feel bigger? Does it feel more cramped? Um, you can see, hey, in this, the, in my backyard, is this going to be an eyesore? Like, is it too close to my kid's playground? Is it too close to my neighbor? Let's move it five feet this way, five feet that way. You can do all of that through VR and you're getting price updates all the way through. So that way it avoids the change orders in the future, right? So with contractors, it's very common to uh, receive change orders as you go. But here you have everything defined from the beginning and it's 100% transparent. Now, that being said, as you know, permitting takes a while, several months, depending on what area you are. I mean, I even heard Long Beach does like over-the-counter ADU permits. And I was like, why are we not there yet? <laughs> right? I was like, that is... Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, it all depends on jurisdiction, right? We have some areas that are taking six to eight months. We have some areas that are taking three months. We have some areas like our projects in Long Beach that are, you know, instant. But the other thing we found during COVID that was very kind of eye-opening was uh, how fast material prices went up, right? So if we signed a contract, let's just say in January, and now we're getting out of permits in July and we're repricing this thing that project went up 10, 15, 20%, which could be, you know, 20, 30, $40,000. And for a homeowner who's been saving up for this or already pulled their refi or HELOC months before, uh, all of a sudden this project either doesn't become feasible or on our end, we're taking a huge cut and losing money on every single project that we're doing, right? Uh, so we try to figure out other ways to kind of do this. Um, we have something called a project advisory service 
uh, now, which pretty much is almost like a down payment towards your project, um, but it's paid through an advisory service. And what we do is we buy materials in bulk, um, store them in warehouses, or you know, if we have 30, 40, 50 projects going on at a time, um, we can get huge discounts on those as well and pass those savings along to our clients. And with those savings also comes the fact that since it costs us less to buy in bulk, at that point, um, we can hedge against the risk of clients risking their project going up based on inflation, right? So every time we see a problem come up, uh, immediately, you know, we, we try to find some sort of solution, right? We don't just say, oh, that's what it is. You know, lumber went up, sorry, right? For us, it's always, okay, that's the way it is, but why is it like that, right? Our kind of future developments, we're working on uh, technology with augmented reality uh, to avoid mistakes by uh, contractors. So these glasses, pretty much the contractors will be able to put them on and at the site be able to see where the trenches are supposed to be, you know, what this is supposed to look like. They can see a hologram of the ADU right on the site so they know, you know, what did the client actually pay for and it's supposed to match this, right? That's probably a year out in development. And then last but not least, uh, a lot of this, uh, as you know, is running these permits and a lot of paper trail, you know, a lot of physical planned out documents. We basically create a 3D virtual model of your home. Um, so anybody in the company that needs to work on that file uh, will be able to take any measurements at any time. We just did this scan on Andre Evans' uh, property very recently. So pretty much if an architect needs access to certain measurements or certain setbacks or see where the sewer is or see the you know scan of the sewer system, um, they can always address it from our office. That saves time for the client as well. And pretty much now, you know, we're not bothering tenants or going back and forth to your property. We only show up once. And then at the very end, when we're actually starting uh, to build, right? Last but not least, I think uh, the client dashboard that's going to be out hopefully in the next six months will allow clients to track their progress all the way through, have access in one place to all their files, documents, plans, when it was submitted, constant notifications and updates. And we're you know, hoping to add features to that, uh, such as gamifying the process. And every time you pass a certain stage, you can get points. Um, and those points can be redeemed for things that you guys are going to need in the ADU in the future anyways, right? So those are some things that, that we're working on. Um, Hopefully the lawyers don't get mad at me for saying too much. <laughs> <laughs> that is so much fun. I yeah, really I love cool. that. Yeah. What well, cool question? I know I know we we've gone pretty long here, but all those three D models—they're physical three D models or they're virtual models—and they go in and check out the measurements there. Virtual, virtual, virtual. Okay, that makes sense. I was like, where are they storing all of those three D models? That's a lot. <laughs> yes. that okay. That wow. Uh, Usually right now, our goal is to initiate the process with 25 clients a month. So on average, we're doing anywhere from two to 300 projects a year. At any given time, we're usually working and constructing between 15 to 20 projects uh, at any given time. Nice. Love awesome. Well, we're going to move on to the last part of the show, the Giordano round. As you know, this is the Multi-Feeling by the Size podcast. Giordano's is the... Number one pizza spot in Chicago, known for his thick, slicey, juicy pieces of pizza. So this is going to be a series of questions between Ike, myself, and Cheetah. We're going to ask you, rapid fire, and each question is going to leave our listeners satisfied with a mouthful of knowledge. So the first one, this is for both of you. You're on the top of the highest mountain in the world. 
These are the last words before you die. What will you scream out to the world? Miguel and Antonio, I want them to remember you by. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I got one. Uh, I was reading a book. Probably all you guys read it, Think and Grow Rich. And there is a really good quote that just stuck with me. I sent it to Miguel. Hopefully, I don't butcher it, but it's success requires no explanation. Failure permits no alibis. Let's just let my actions speak for my words. I like it. Yeah, I mean... If I were to put it in one quote, I mean, realistically, the quote that I've always said, and you guys heard it earlier, um, I, I really speak to the youth very actively. And you don't have to be an adult or famous to make a difference. At the end of the day, I feel like just like several other things, uh, speaking to right now, almost 50, 60,000 students in, in the past couple of years, um, a lot of the kids are waiting until somebody gives them permission to do something. And realistically, I think if, if you just start with small steps, they really accumulate, right? I, I started off in real estate making coffee. That was literally my first task. And now, you know, we're, we're building a company that, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll hit a billion dollar valuation uh, by the end of this year. So at the end of the day, right, you know, the small steps can make a big difference. Um, and then I'll try to figure out a way to get off the mountain right after that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of words on the mountain. Yeah. That's a lot of words. Uh, yeah, I like it. I like it, though. Just giving you a hard time. Okay, number two. If there was one slice of wisdom you wish you knew when you got started or advice you could pass on to others, what would it be? Ask as many questions as you need. Don't be scared to look stupid in front of people. And... Honestly, don't let anybody hold you back. Like if you have certain questions, if you think that you could do a certain thing better, always go out and look for the way that you can do it. Don't let anything hold you back. I think my biggest piece of advice, and I've seen it a lot more lately, um, especially again for the younger crowd is, and you guys have heard it a million times, the people you surround yourself with ends yeah. up being... Um, you know, who you become. And at the end of the day, it's harder when you're young because the vast majority of the people around you are constantly telling you, hey, let's go out and party. I'm like, dude, it's a Tuesday night. Like, <laughs> I know work, you know? And, um, and I think surrounding myself with other young people that are, you know, in their 20s that are all visionaries. My, my best friends now are within the company that we're building. Like the guy from finance, the guy from, you know, sales, the guy from, you know, construction, like, we all have the same vision. We go out, we talk about these things, you know, we motivate each other. We, you know, travel together and, you know, it's, it's very hard because you still have friends from high school. that are like, Hey, why have you gone so silent? And it's only been like, you know, four or five years since you graduated, but Hey, like, I haven't seen you in a while. It's like, yeah, I'm busy. And the people that I'm with are all on the same path and same vision. So it's definitely hard cutting a lot of people off in your life, but it's better to have a small tight circle of people that are like-minded than, than having a big circle and trying to be popular for social media when, when realistically, you know, 10 years down the road, you're going to wish you would have started earlier. I love that. Great advice. Uh, number three, vocab. What are your favorite or three most critical real estate terms multifamily investors should know and why? Perfect. I'll, I'll give two and then you can give sure. one. Yeah. Um, the first one that really stuck to me, cause a lot of the stuff that you guys are probably going to learn through normal books and stuff. The first one for me is, is FAR, 
right? Uh, stands for, for Florida area ratio. Um, I had no clue what that meant when I first started here and starting to work with the feasibility team, I learned pretty much every zoning gives you a multiplier. Um, those multipliers will basically tell you how much square footage you can add and, and actually build on your property. All of this is public information. So if you Google search Florida area ratio, uh, that would be the first one I would say look into because you might look at a lot and it looks like it has huge space. That doesn't necessarily mean that the city will allow you to build that. Frankly, building off of that point, I would say zoning, zoning feasibility is the most important thing that practically gives you all the direction of what you can practically build in your backyard when it comes to ADUs. You look up your city or your yeah, your jurisdiction, and that gives you practically the blueprints of what you can, can do, how much square footage, how big, how tall, all of it. Super important. Yep. And the last one, which this one's kind of broad, but financing, um, I've seen so many deals fall through with financing or creative financing, should I say. There's so many different loan types out there from secured, unsecured loans, DSCR loans, you know, um, VA, FHA, conventional at the end of the day, all these different, it, without, you know, money, nothing really moves. And at the end of the day, if, if you have access to that capital, SBA loans, I just closed on a commercial building um, a few months ago, which was actually my first investment property. So uh, at the end of the day, like all these all these loan types um, that I didn't know about, if you really master financing, get together with a lender and, and learn about everything outside of your traditional, hey, 20% down, and that's what you get. Uh, there's so much more out there on the financing world that that's very important. Number four, education is critical in this business. What books, apps, or mastermind groups will you recommend listeners immerse themselves in? Perfect. Um, yeah, the first one, and, and this one's really simple on, on the sales side and just communication and, and really being an outgoing person and trying to really understand. There's this guy by the name of Jeremy Miner. I follow him. I watch all his videos. I bought his course and everything else on really being able to kind of work with people, right? Uh, how do you inspire people? How do you motivate people? How do you, you know, answer questions and objections and, you know, certain ways to phrase certain things and, and to kind of lead a conversation and, and take control rather than somebody else, you know, kind of leading the path in every single meeting. Um, that would be my first one is, you know, look up Jeremy Miner. He's not as famous as a lot of other people, but this is uh, definitely something that's helped me over the past year uh, really be able to hone my skills on that. Side. Yeah. And like the classics, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I'm currently on Thinking Grow Rich. There's also another one, Peak, that we're currently reading that helps you just develop your sales skills a lot better and really root in that psycho the psychological aspect of it to your clients. Nice. Awesome. Number five, what is the most important skill to build to be successful in real estate investing? Man, I think on my end, networking has been a very crucial skill because it, it's very important to know and, and be humble enough to know that you don't know everything <laughs> and really being able to tap into resources and have the right resources available. Uh, that's, you know, a great thing about this company as well is that if I need have a lending question, I can ask a lender. If I have a, you know, building question, I can ask a contractor. I have everybody here, but, you know, prior to that, it was, hey, build relationships with contractors, build relationships with architects, build relationships, and just, you don't have to know everything. You just have to know the right people. 
Um, so, so networking is, is huge for me. Yeah, I would 100% agree. Networking is everything. As you said, like you obviously won't know all the answers to everything, but as long as you know the right people, you can get the ball rolling. All right, last question. What is the very first action you would advise a brand new investor to take to start their journey in real estate? I, I think the, the first action to take is definitely get your finances in order. Like I mentioned, um, credit is very important to understand, you know, understanding the, the financing, speaking to a lender, see what you qualify for now. And definitely try, if, if you're going to be investing, try to get something with multiple units. Like I said, my first investment property was, you know, an office building with seven suites in it. And that thing cash flowed day one, which is very hard to do in today's, with today's prices, right? But if I wasn't prepared with my tax documents, if I wasn't prepared, you know, a lot of people that we're talking to now, they run into that issue that they want to do something, but they, they have a business and they basically declare zero income over the past three years. Well, Hey, I can't get you alone with that, right? How how do you get creative on being able to kind of balance uh, the tax side with with the financing, being able to run and operate your business, understand you know uh, your debt to income and your credit? Um, I think that's super super important on the investing side, and then start building that team, right? You need to have someone who's going to find you the deals. You need to have somebody who's going to finance the deals. Uh, you need to be prepared for when the right opportunity comes into your life and. Yeah, that, that's pretty much uh, like I told Andre when, um, you know, you have preparation and when preparation meets opportunity, that's that's when you kind of strike gold. That's the quote you should have said. <laughs> <laughs> I said that like three times when we last met. <laughs> I know. No, say, say it again for everyone. Yeah. So um, when preparation meets opportunity, that's when gold strikes. And realistically, that I strike, that's not a quote for me. That's something that when I first got brought into this company, I was 19 years old. The CEO got us all in a room and kind of said the updates of the company. And he told them that I was going to be running the real estate department. And everyone looked at this 19 year old that's going to be opening up a department on what we're trying to do. And, you know, everyone's like, no, no, no we can do this. We can do that. And he was like, guys, you guys are underestimating what he can do. I've never met someone who's so prepared and he's about to cross paths with a perfect opportunity. And when preparation meets opportunity, that's when you struggle. So, you know, always be preparing because when that opportunity gets there and you're barely going to start, well, at that point, it's too late. That opportunity is going to pass you up. Love it. All right. Well, this is the Multi-Family About a Size podcast. I'm your host, Dre Evans. We've got Chi Nguyen. Ike Eke, Miguel Antonio, thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate you all. Tune in for the next episode. Peace. Oh.